So Hamozis talks about this as well. He actually says he'll create, I don't know, say for example, five ads, but he'll create five books as well. So he's got a video, but then he'll have five different books and then five by five is 25, ends up having different variations. So what you're saying is similar, like don't just replace the video. Maybe you made all this effort, maybe the book sucks. Yeah. Great, so just change the book, change the image, change the copy. All because right. um, I had a video on the, you know, scaling, right? And the first five seconds, people would skip and they wouldn't actually watch the whole video. Welcome to the Inbound Buds Podcast, episode 148. My name is Tony and I'm joined by Moby Sadiq. How's it going, Mobs? Good, Tony. It's good to be here, man. It's always good to see. I'm still getting used to having shows with you again after such a long absence. Yeah, it's been uh, twice in a row this week, guys. Twice in a row, yeah, yeah. So, um... I know people must be thinking like these guys are just obsessed with jiu-jitsu, but you recently got your blue belt. So congratulations. Yeah. For my uh, four-time champion, I didn't know it was me. <laughs> right, I didn't know it was you. Yeah, he was calling out the tablet and he was like, Tony, Tony, you overdrew with a uh, belt. And I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, but yeah, really humbled and grateful yeah, for well, it. Congratulations. So. Anyone who knows anything about martial arts or jiu-jitsu, uh, you've got to put in the time. So congratulations. You gave me such a sweet gift. Last time when I got my belt, I gave you some eggs last week. Thank it's you. It's probably not the same. No, nah, but nah. Uh, <laughs> it's, more, it's more organic. <laughs> it is more organic. It is. All right, cool. Let's start. Well, what's making news this week, Tony? Um, first one um, is everyone's you know been watching and hearing Israel Gaza misinformation is flooding social media. The European Union is demanding big tech walk the talk and fix it. So everyone knows, right? You look at your social feeds, you look at everywhere. There's, there's like posts about you know, a division between the Israels and Gaza. And, you know, like there's a lot, there's lots of information. And, you know, we're, we're not here to go deep into about all the issues. But I think um, it's very important to let people know that there is a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of things getting posted. And do your research. Please, people, do your research. But... The EU has told platforms like uh, you know, uh, Twitter, sorry, X and you know, Facebook, you know, please be, you guys, you have to be responsible for your information, the mislead of information and stuff. And you know, it has been taken off. The question is like, you know, what to be taken off, you know, and all this stuff you know, to be regulated. But like, well, what do you what do you reckon, Mobes? Yeah, it's, it's it is a really really sensitive topic, and obviously um, our hearts go out to anyone who's lost loved ones there. And we're not our job isn't, and we actually you know just for your FYI listeners, we actually debated whether putting this in or not because mm. we're not a political show and we're not here to talk about that. But because it has such an overlap with social media, mm. um, and it pretty much is dominating the airwaves, so we couldn't not talk about it. But mm. Tony's absolutely right; like you have to be really really careful, like. As world citizens, as citizens of uh, economies that have governments that are weighing in on this, we do have a responsibility to know and just be aware. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, I'm not going to go into examples, but you've got to be really, really careful. So, like, I was showing this example to you before, Tony, um, by, so I'm sharing my screen here. So, redpandas.com.au forward slash EP148, uh, the Orthodox canonist. He had he posted this post, right? And he's like, alleged footage of Hamas keeping children in cages. Why? What purpose does this serve other Israeli hostages? And then literally, so you see this cage and allegedly it's kids, Israeli kids in cages, right? Literally after that, 
he puts another post, correction, they are Palestinian children being held in cages. <laughs> the irony. You know what I mean? And it, the, I, I don't know how good or bad this is, but at least Twitter X is trying. It does have that context box, which is yeah. not always correct, but it's saying that this video actually was posted well before the Hamas attacks. Crazy. And it actually was Palestinian kids in cages. What the- I'm, Some, not, I'm, sorry, I'm not laughing no, at what's it, happening. It is, I'm laughing at the... It, it is kind of funny at the stupidity, yeah. right? Like, and you and I were talking about this. I've got another example. Justin Bieber, he's like... So the reason why I share this example, it's like even influencers, just because they're influencers, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. No one is immune to misinformation. So Justin Bieber had an image praying for Israel. He had <laughs> words on a, on, a, on a background. The background was Gaza blown up, <laughs> right? So Gorni, it's funny, like... We gotta laugh about it because otherwise yeah. we cry, right? Sigourney Weaver had something. What did she have? She had um, she had a photo of kids or something. Oh, with the po- rockets. She was so the yeah, rock- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Thanks, Tony. She she had like you know praying for Israel and those kids looking up, and it actually was guys and children. So the point is like no one's immune to this stuff, yeah. so you have to be careful. And what's interesting in the la- this this is as political as I'll, as I'll go, but in the democracy in the democracy uh, how do I say this? In the age of democratization of Mm. information, we do have to be careful. You're right, Tony, because when the Iraq war happened, they used weapons of mass destruction Mm. as pretenses for going into and killing a million people. Now, I always like to keep it on facts, right? Mm. Because everyone has their own version. But we know a million people got killed. Is a certain party going to use doctored images to create a narrative to go into areas? Now, I know that doesn't affect us. But our governments are implicit and our governments are taking side. So I think it's really, really careful. It does show, and I I do think it's quite interesting. And the last thing I'll say on this, X had another article and people are criticizing Elon Musk and X for leaving things. And I've said this in other shows in the past, right? Like, obviously, I'm Muslim background, you're Asian, Tony, and we've had hate speeches. We've seen Mm. our own groups have hate speeches. And I've said this in the past. I'm more for freedom of speech. I'm more for, even if it's against what I believe, Mm. even if someone like burning the Quran or whatever, as long as there's consistency, let everything be there. 100%. Because the moment you have teams or even AI, because AI uses humans, you know, like knowledge that says, oh, we're going to block that, but not that, that's where it's dangerous. So even though it might hurt my feelings, I'm for freedom of speech, as long as we're consistent. We need even level playing field. And honestly, right now, we're, they're not getting that right. It's just one biased opinion on the media. And it's interesting. The, the media, the top line media, yes. But at least I think in social media, it's not... It, you're right. You're 100% right, Tony. But at least on social media, as, as at least with X anyway, it's a little bit more democratized. Mm. And I hope it just stays that way. Yeah. That, and that's my view and people can disagree and I understand that view if they do disagree. No, I think you got, you raise a good point because there are people like, I'm using myself, general mass media. You know, we're pretty dumb. We, we will follow anything. There's a division. And we're following influencers. They're dumb as well. They're, they're not qualified people. So like there was a lot of misinformation. On top of that, and moving on to our next buzz, there's AI that could be generating bullshit out there as well. You know. Yeah, yeah. So let's on that note, let's move on. Yes, on that note, let's move on before we get too political. Uh, But yes, Adobe's all in on AI. They they recently debuted their new Firefly. Firefly? It's called Firefly, right? So uh, Adobe debuted their Firefly AI model for creatives. So this came out of, they had a, um, a conference recently, a show recently, like everyone else does, and they updated 
their Firefly Image 2 model. So that's the latest version of the original Firefly AI image generator. Now, this is really interesting. If you've ever seen, we spoke about this on other shows, right? Generative fill on mm -hmm. Photoshop. Firefly is Adobe's AI engine. So it can be used as a standalone and right now it's available for free. So if you're into AI and image and video AI, check out Firefly. But it, it also is the engine behind Illustrator and Photoshop as well. And what they're saying, Tony, that it generates significantly higher quality images that are more photo real and um, better at textures and stuff. So I want to show you this one. And again, if you guys are listening or watching the video version, you can check this out. But check this out, Tony, here. So that's using the image one model. And that's using the image two model. Nice. So you can see here the woman on the right, you know, she's got Afro. So like there's a texture in her hair. It looks more photo real where the one on the left looks more artsy. But man, like Adobe is not sleeping on AI. So mm. they and they needed to do something, right? They needed to invest in something because the likes of Canva and all these other AI tools are starting mm. to cut into their market share. So it's really interesting stuff. Is it going to be as difficult using like you know, the Firefly is like Photoshop and stuff, or you reckon it'll be... Yeah, so, I mean, it's such an early space. When I used the Photoshop generated feel when I was just mucking around with it, like, uh, it was like the early stages, so mm. it wasn't that robust. Mm. But Firefly, I'm, I'm glad they have it as their... I think they've realized, right, because ChatGPT, MidJourney, mm. they, they had to have their own standalone platform, and I think for them, it's a step in the right direction as mm. far as AI goes. Okay, and our next tip, um, so a segment, um, Tony's, Tony's time. Yeah, Tony's tips, right? So I'm excited about this one. It's been a minute since we've done, done this, but scaling for Facebook. So talk to us what this segment's about and um, what's the first thing we're talking about? Yeah, so in um, the world of Facebook, we always get a lot of questions. How do you scale Facebook ads? You know, I'm spending $5, I'm spending $15. How do I scale? How do I get more conversions? And I believe it is an art and a science in Facebook, in the world of your know, meta advertising, there's so many different ways of you know scaling a campaign. Mm -hmm. But we could break it down into two um, you know, two categories: horizontal scaling and vertical scaling. So to scale an account, um, you can do a vertical uh, scaling method where all you do is increase the budget, and that's all you do. So you have a campaign on your know, meta ads, and all you do is just increase the budget from $100 to 150 to 200. So that's vertical scaling. Yep. Right. So your budget is vertically going up. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And then we have horizontal scaling, which means you have an ad like a campaign and you either duplicate that same ad set and create a new campaign or a new ad set. Or you might um, create a new ad set with different interest groups, you know, lookalike audiences, targeting different people. So that's called horizontal scaling. So we're going more horizontal. Mm. Um, both ways work. There's nothing wrong with it, but what we found out with vertical scaling, especially on Facebook, is you only can increase it by 20% until if you pass that 20% increasing the budget, you reset the algorithm. Some people care about the algorithm. Really? Right. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, so that happens. And you don't want to reset the algorithm because then it just messes everything up again. So if you have $100, you only can increase it by basically 20%, so that's $20. It's $120. There's not much to scaling in that um, from my perspective. You know, if you're doing $1,000, you can increase it to you know, $200. That's one method. There's a me another method I like, horizontal scaling, where I just duplicate um, assets. I do 100 assets. I find one winning campaign or asset, and I just duplicate it 100 times, 200 times, 500 times, and I just try to see you know, if it holds. 
Cool. Okay, interesting. So you're saying this is really cool. So if you actually double your budget, you are going to lose the the algorithm, like whatever learnings your ad account has, you, you'll lose that. So if you are vertical scaling, what you're saying is try to keep it at 20% at a time. Yeah, you have to or you yeah. reset it. And also too, Tony, like I find what's interesting is that's not going to fix your budget as well. Mm. Like if you have a poor performing campaign, just increasing your budget. Firstly, what you're saying is really great. More than 20%, it's going to reset the algorithm. Yeah. But if you have a poor performing campaign, 20% is not going to fix it as well. 100%. And you've spoken about this in the past. So now you're giving it a label, have duplicate ad campaigns and creatives. Yeah. My question on that is how do you, um, and maybe it's just a, it might, could be a short answer, long answer. You said four or 500. How do you have that many variations and how do you do that so quickly? Because manually, that sounds like a lot of work if someone's going to create 500 versions of an ad. Yeah. So and then should they even do that, by the way? Yeah. Um, there's heaps of ways, like I say, to, um, you know, um, du- duplicate and scale. So you can do CBO or you can be ABO. They've changed the names of it. So you can duplicate lots of ad sets. That is more managing, or you can do CBOs. Um, where, and just explain what that is. Yeah, um, it's just where the budget is allocated to the campaign or an ABO ad set budget optimization that adds a the uh, the budgets mm. um, allocate to the ad set. But every account is different, Moby. And um, what people don't understand is um, every ad account is like a different person. So if you have a campaign that's not doing well in one ad account, try it in a different ad account, and that it works on that ad account. You can try, you know, pushing it that way. Or you might want to change your uh, Facebook page, or you might want to change a different business manager. It all works differently. People don't understand that. Like, I've tested like heaps of you know, ad accounts, Facebook pages, business managers, and they all work differently. Um, but what I like to do, Moby, is let's say for horizontal scaling, before I scale, I have to make sure that it has 100% ROI and it holds for at least three days, right? So let's say an e-com product. You're trying to um, sell a product, you're doing well, it's 100% ROI. If that holds for three days, then I scale. Why? Why 100% or more? It's because when you scale a campaign, your margins will drop, your ROI will drop. People mm-hmm. think that because you have 100% ROI and when you scale, you gotta, you know, you're gonna get 100% all the way. No, your CPA increases, mm. the costs increase. So you actually drop- So buffer that in, don't yeah. for like 50% ROI because when you scale, it's gonna go lower anyway. Yeah, like I've scaled yeah. 100%, 200% ROI campaigns and it's gone down to 20, 30%. Right? So 100%, just to keep it simple, if you spend a dollar, you get a dollar. That's 100%. Yeah, you got 100%. You. That's really good advice. That's great advice. And that's when you should consider scaling. And if you're trying to scale an ad, like a creative, um, that is not holding, it only tells you one thing, your ad sucks and you have to improve on it. The copywriting, the creative, the video, you have to make it better. And that's it. You know, People go, why, why isn't it holding on Facebook or why isn't it holding on your so meta? It's, it's because your ad sucks, it's not holding, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got you. So horizontal or vertical scaling, is not going to fix a shitty ad. Have 100% ROI before you do any of those. Yeah. Great advice. Cool. Uh, what else you got? Um, also, like I say, uh, with scaling, try with the video. Sometimes when you have a performing video and it's doing well and it just dies out because with Facebook, it's not like YouTube where YouTube can hold for a longer period of time and you can scale. Facebook, you know, it tends to die out the campaigns and will just drop an ROI. Just change the first five seconds. That's one tip. 
Secondly, what you can do is your image, just change the image again, keep the same copy, um, you know, ad copy. Or third, change the ad copy, but keep the image mm. and you can keep rotating it. Got you, got you. That's, so Hamozi talks about this as well. He actually says, I can't remember his ratio, but he's like, he'll create, I don't know, say for example, five ads, but he'll create five hooks as well. Yeah. So he's got a video, but then he'll have five different hooks. And then five by five is 25, ends up having different variations. So what you're saying is similar, like don't just replace the video. Maybe you made all this effort. Maybe the hook sucks. Yeah. Great. So just change the hook, change the image, change the copy. All because right. um, I had a video um, that, you know, I was scaling, right? And the first five seconds people would skip and they wouldn't actually watch the whole video, right? So people were only watching the first five seconds. So I actually tested a lot of hooks. I got to the like hook 41, version 41, until it kind of scaled. But that's how many times it took me to scale, you know, like a campaign, like a video. So if you're only testing two or three videos, that's not enough. You have to keep testing. It's a numbers game. Hmm. And I tested multiple hooks again and again and again. And it was always different audiences. And every time you duplicate like an ad set, you're actually targeting a, targeting a different sample um, you know, size of audiences. So it's mm. it's never the same. Every time you do, it's never the same. You're reaching different pools of you know audiences and stuff. Love that. But that that's like deep Facebook stuff that a lot of people don't get to. Um, only a few people I I've seen have gone to that level where they're scaling up to six figures a day, and that's what it takes. Nice, awesome. Okay, I think there's a lot there. Any any final thoughts on that before we move on to the no, next one? No, I don't want to overwhelm. <laughs> awesome, nice, nice work. Yeah. All right, so now let's kick. It's been a long time between drinks for one of our favorite segments of the show. Can we fix it? Moby and Tony, can they fix it? Moby and Tony, yes, they can. So by the way, we can't hear the music. Our, our, fab, our fabulous um, uh, podcast engineer, Let's just call him that. I don't know the official title. Jerome is going to edit it in. So we actually didn't hear any of that. I hope you enjoyed it. But today we are talking about a startup called Coffee Run. I love now, coffee. I love it. Yeah, don't we all? I only have coffee once a week and I took it today. So I'm buzzing today. Nice. But anyway, so this is from a, a good friend of mine who me and Sophie, our, our CFO, and also my wife, we went to uni with and her name is Seda. So shout out to you, Seda. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And so, Tony, her business is really interesting. Imagine you're at, not you at a hairdresser, but I guess imagine oh, you, you had hair. <laughs> imagine, imagine your okay. wife, imagine Ness is at a hairdresser, right? And she's waiting there, just getting her hair done. And she wants a coffee or she wants like a little snack. Yeah. She's sitting there. She scans a QR code and on a web app, she's able to order a coffee yeah. and it arrives at her, at her desk, at her station. Fantastic. So the whole idea is it has a gap, it meets a gap that Uber can't really meet because yep. Uber obviously relies on um, drivers and delivery drivers. Yes. But in a micro, in, in a dense micro environment where there's a, there's a lot of density, right? Mm. In one center, so, so for example, in a, a shopping center near where I live, there is eight hairdressers there. Okay. Sorry, is eight, yeah, eight, just eight hairdressers, excluding barbers, excluding nail salons. And there are dozens of cafes there. And when it's quiet, you know, those people have time to actually go and deliver the coffees to people's yeah. desks, extra nice. income. The other benefit that she has, just before we kind of get into it, is the consumer, uh, sorry, the owner of the establishment, they get a little clip and the place that's actually selling, 
doesn't cut in. So with Uber, obviously they take a 30% margin. Yeah. Now what a lot of places have been doing, if you've noticed this, I don't know if you've noticed this, Tony, but the prices on Uber, Uber Eats are yeah. different to in-store. Yeah, yeah, true. Right? And, the, and the, you know, so and the reason for that is they're cutting to their margin. So in that vein, all the prices are a little bit higher across the board. Interesting. But it's just efficient for everyone. It's a win-win. So really interesting business. I hope she does really, really well. They're obviously, just in the start, they build the technology. But we thought we would talk about, you know, have a little brain experiment. Could we fix it? Um, your thoughts, Tony, before I get into this any further, what were your first thoughts hearing about this? Um. So it's not just for coffee, right, Mopes? It can be for any any industry, like yeah, like think of any think of any service industry where you have customers where they're waiting there, okay, and anything that could be delivered. Like you could even have, say, your um, I don't know, like your, I mean, Meta would have cafes, right? But like you're a big Price Waterhouse Coopers, yeah. you're you're in the city, or whatever. And you want the ability for people or visitors to order their stuff. Mm. It could be food. It could be like the sky's the limit. Yeah. Coffee is obviously the obvious one. Yeah, okay. Milkshakes, meals. Um, think about it. So it yeah. is for the mass uh, market. Mass uh, market, dense locations, small distances where the cafes can deliver their own stuff. Okay. Um, we don't have a website yet, right? Yeah. So that is probably the first thing, right? So I don't think there's a website. I couldn't find it as of the recording today. Uh, but yeah, there's no website right now. Um, do you reckon it's needed for an app? Well, I mean, the, the there is a web app itself. And one thing that I really like about what Seta said is like apps, and I agree, apps are kind of out, right? Like people aren't going to download apps. Yeah. So the idea of a web app is a really good idea where they scan it, opens up in your browser yeah. and it works. It's very functional. But a website itself, I would say that it's needed for two sides of the market. You've got the customer side and then you've got the vendor. Let's call them vendors mm. for simplicity's sake. The hairdressers, the barbers, the nail salons, those people. Having a value proposition for them that this is something that they can use to help grow their business mm. is powerful. For okay. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that we, we should like – your friends should get a website, right, what we were saying. Um, so, I'm trying to understand this, Mope. So, like um, – you're in store, you, you had a coffee. Like, just remember, I don't have hair mode, so I'm just trying to, like, picture this in <laughs> well, the store. Well, when you go get your nails done, Tony, yeah, you know, okay. like, yeah. Like, that's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I scan the app or do I scan the website? You got a QR code? Yep. And you scan the QR code. Oh, okay. Yeah. In, in the coffee? In, in the, the, yeah, um, there might be a sticker oh, okay. or a little mat thing there and you scan that. Okay. Um, do I have anything on Instagram? Yeah, so they do have stuff on Instagram and I want to talk about that. And I think before, like as a strategist and, I, and you do this, Tony, too, the first thing we always ask is who are we solving for, mm. right? We talk about this with ads. It applies here as well. Yeah. Who are we solving for and what's their problem? Mm. And one thing that I was talking to Setter about, like where is your biggest bang for buck? Is it the customer side or it's is it the vendor side? Yeah. Now, what she explained to me and, and, and it made sense is it is the vendor side because – they're the ones who get you your customers, right? Like going to a hairdresser, going to a barber, that is where the focus, cont- focus of focal point of mm. the content should be. Now, in business, they talk about different levels, different devils. Maybe as the business grows, it's different. But that's where the focal audience should be, hairdressers. So let's stick with hairdressers for a yeah. moment, right? Hairdressers and what are their problems? Now, when we look at their Instagram, and I've got this here, Tony, so you can have a look with me yeah. here. So we're on the Coffee Run Instagram. 
and we have got uh, a testimonial, right? We have got another post here that is, it is sharing, um, you know, it's not just coffee, grab your breakfast, lunch or dinner with Coffee Run. So that's focused to the end-level customer, not the hairdresser. Anyway, I'm not going to go through all of them. But what I like to do, and I call this like the grid test, right? I don't know where I got this from. Maybe I copied it from somewhere, but I can't remember if I did. But what I like to do is a grid test. What, the, what is a grid test? If you look at a grid by three by three, you've got nine boxes there. I say that like it should be most of the content in your grid should be either uh, inspiring, informing, educating, entertaining your key audience mm. and one of those boxes should be your ask mm. so it's like gary v talks about jab 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 right hook this is like jab 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 eight times then then there's an ask oh, okay. so the question becomes all right cool we know who we're going after hairdressers we know what some of their problems are what's a problem a hairdresser might have growing my business keeping my customers happy yeah. you know um utility of time how do i get more people through Reduce inefficiencies, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Right? I'm not a hairdresser, right? But I'm just sort of thinking, right? Like these could be so problems. Just looking at their day-to-day needs. Yeah. So, again, we've got our persona and we've got their problems. None of these boxes entertain, aspire, inspire, educate mm. that persona. And I think maybe maybe one does, right? There's a giveaway that that's a giveaway for a... Um, Da, 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 like one of the businesses, right? So yeah, that can be argued that that is one box out of the nine that is for our target audience. It needs to be the other way around. Eight of those boxes, minimum, inspire, educate, entertain our audience. Nice. Now, the question is, what could we be talking about? If you just do a quick Google search, right? And I did a quick Google search here. And I typed in hairdressing business tips. Because again, it's not about how good our product is. Because the product is effing phenomenal. Hmm. It's not about that. It's about, and the other, I know I kind of gleaned over this. When a business starts, you should focus on a segment at a time. Facebook did this. When Facebook started, it was just for Harvard students and then now it's everyone, right? Yeah. It's not everyone. You've got to like focus. Even us, like when we were going through a growth phase, our sales guy, Janeko, for about three, four quarters, just went after the education market. Yeah, true. We wanted to own that and then platform off of that and go after others. Yeah. That's what this business needs to do. So anyway, quick Google search, right? Hairdressing business tips. The people ask also ask section on Google is one of the best free sources of information mm, for content. 100%. Forget tools. We use tools. Great. But let's keep it really simple. Just the people also ask section, right? Mm. How do I track customers to my hair salon? How do I make my hair salon more profitable? Uh, how do I get more clients? How do I be more successful? This is the type of stuff we need to be doing because in this era... Attention is the biggest asset. Mm. We're in the attention economy. So how do we promote something that's a disruptor product that doesn't exist yet, right? It's a, so that's, it's exciting. It doesn't exist. Yeah. There's a huge opportunity. How do you get their attention and mind share? It's not going to be about posting around about drinks and customer-focused stuff. It's going to be stuff that educates and, tames and inspires these people. Yeah. So that's what I would focus on. 100%. And this is a content mix. You're talking about the website as well. There should be a blog as well on mm. that type of stuff. And then from there, um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. But your, your thoughts on that? Just as I'm yeah, no, that. I love that. So like you're saying, you've got to focus on content first of all to get themselves into the market and stuff. Focus on the segment that we're going after. Um, I think the other thing as well, we, and this is definitely a startup thing, you can pay with time or money. You can pay with ads or content. 
right? You've got to pay somehow. Mm. Outreach is really, really important. Mm. Outreach, right? So it's funny, we call it inbound buzz, but we still believe in outreach. Mm. Having the time and the discipline to go after, say, 50 businesses a day or yeah. calling 50 or speaking to 10 businesses a day and share, sharing the value proposition. Yeah. This is what we have. And then having a special offer. So, for example, um, look, there's normally a setup cost of $700. We want you guys to join a, uh, have the opportunity to be the select group of, um, found, like the gyms do, like foundation yeah. members that never have to pay da, 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 right? And you'll always get the highest rates or whatever. Yeah. Right. And then having case studies and content, we call them like the hero's journey. So videos about the hero's journey where your key persona has gone through this, that it solved this problem happily ever after. Mm. Problems of having customers waiting, being bored, like showing them how this product differentiates you. Mm. It makes them happier. It doesn't kill time. It gives you a little bit of extra income. So that is really, really key. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, some growth hacking ways. You know, like you say, like sharing it with your friends. If you invite two people, you get maybe a free membership for three months or you get, right? So some growth hack principles there. But maybe some ads, you reckon? Like maybe Yeah, yeah, ads. spot on, spot on. So I think, you know, that's definitely step one. Like we're talking about the content, getting like the, util figuring out what the utility, mm. how do we, who's that persona and the utility around them? But spot on, Tony. But then it becomes, uh, it turns into ads, right? Mm. So... Well, last episode, we spoke about lead magnets. Mm. So like the problem solution cycle, how can you have a lead magnet that solves a problem, but it also reveals another problem? Yeah. And go back to episode 147 if you guys are interested in the problem solution cycle. So a lead magnet could be like how to, not like how to grow, you could, obviously it's trial and error, right? How to grow your hairdressing businesses in 2024. It's a great idea. But it might be something around like how the most profitable agent uh, hairdressers are maximizing the utility per hairdresser. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a hairdresser. I don't get it. But what's a key problem that you can solve? One key problem that reveals other problems and that's where you can sell your products yeah. and services. How I would create the ad maybe on a YouTube and the would be an app install objective would be how is the best hairdressers delivering the best customer service? They're getting free coffees, getting this, getting that. And it takes one scan. Yeah, yeah like that. that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. how the hairdressers, what did, yeah, deliver the best customer service. And then like the, the beautiful thing about this is, and I spoke to Sarah about this when I caught up with her, but the idea of a podcast, like we love podcasts because it's a great hub and spoke strategy. People mm. who know this show know we take one podcast and out of each podcast is probably 20, 30 pieces of content, mm. snippets, shorts, emails, LinkedIn posts, right? It's not just copy and paste. We'll create a written LinkedIn post about something that mm. you said, for example, right? Create an article based on an insight here. Yeah. It's the best hub and spoke strategy in 2023 and beyond. But actually inviting hairdressers and asking them for their tips and then taking their tips, turning it into a lead magnet and sharing it with others. Yeah. Any professional, hairdressers included, love talking about the area mm. so if you bring a hairdresser on they're going to feel honored they're going to feel inspired and it's a good way to actually open the door as well yeah because like if you just want to pitch something it might not I, I knew a guy and i'll move on after this i knew a guy who actually started a podcast just so he could meet financial advisors yeah just so it was like a bit of a boys club. i don't condone what they did but it was a boys club get them in there give them a cigar have some whiskey yeah. Just so he could have conversations. And then he would pitch them after he's warmed them up. Yeah. Right? So it serves multiple purposes there for sure. Yeah, interesting. I love that. Um, but um, as, as we're wrapping up, like you say, uh, I think we have to define the core offer. 
and then we can define the lead magnet. Like for someone like me that would go and download the app, um, you know, what, what am I getting out of it at the yeah. end of the day? Yeah, core offer. So like the core offer is what you sell. Yeah. Just to remind everyone, the core offer is the platform and this is what you get out of it. Mm. And then you have lead magnets that are not the core offer, but they can lead to the core offer. Debate. Debate, exactly, <laughs> debate. Um, but yeah, but that's pretty much it for today. Yep. And our conference is coming up soon. Taya at Sydney uh, Olympic Park, uh, 31st October. Get your tickets. It's selling out. Yeah, it's, I think we're like... Hey, by the time you guys listen, it might, might all be out. But check it out. If you're in Sydney, if you're in the region, definitely hit us up. And we'd love to help you guys out with uh, discount codes if you're listeners of the show. Cool. Uh, but that's it. See Thank you guys you. next time for another episode of Inbound Buzz. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.